The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery podcast. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth and your own recovery journey. We're basically a couple of recovery nerds and ordained unity ministers sharing our experience, strength, and hope on this spiritual journey of addiction recovery. We hope that something you hear today will be helpful to you in your own recovery journey. We invite your questions, comments, wisdom, and feedback anytime. Just send an email to spiritofrecoveryunity at gmail.com. And Facebook users, you can message us from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. And please help us carry the message by following and subscribing to Spirit of Recovery on your favorite podcast platform. You can also support our ministry through our Patreon page, which can be found at patreon.com slash spiritofrecovery. Today's episode is titled HP as Guide, shamelessly stolen from the Daily Reflection for September 20th. So if it sounds familiar, it may be. It begins with a quote from the big book, page 164. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. It continues, having a right relationship with God seemed to be an impossible order. My chaotic past had left me filled with guilt and remorse, and I wondered how this God business could work. AA told me that I must turn my will and my life over to the care of God, as I understand him. With nowhere else to turn, I went down on my knees and cried, God, I can't do this. Please help me. It was when I admitted my powerlessness that a glimmer of light began to touch my soul, and then a willingness emerged to let God control my life. With him as my guide, great events began to happen, and I found the beginning of sobriety. Wow. I love that passage because that passage for me very accurately describes what my experience was. You know, from having no sense of um, a God in my life, no real spiritual life, to being told that I needed to get a higher power and wondering how I was going to do that to just moving through the steps and listening to other people. And then um, taking the third step was really, I would say where my relationship with God really began when I took that third step. Um, Now that was 
the first of many third steps for me because I've had to take that third step over and over and over. And I have been driven to that place on my knees. God, please help me. I can't do this. Even in sobriety more times than I'd like to admit. But I just think this passage describes it so well, because when I did that and when I continue to do that, whenever I take that step of relinquishing control my human ego mind control over something and give it up. And sometimes I don't even know exactly what I'm giving it up to, but it's the giving up the surrender. I think that is so powerful. Um, And then I always find that there is a power beyond myself that steps in to support me and guide me. And pretty much this just encapsulates the spiritual experience for me. This is how it happened for me. This is how it continues to happen every time I surrender and allow something greater to guide me. Yeah, I, I have a similar experience with it. Although I did, I did find the Unity Church before I got sober. And I was even, you know, working on my spiritual growth as best as I could understand it. It was still a relatively new concept to me at the time. But it, it it was, you know, getting into the program, it was sobriety that really showed me the true power of the spirit and of the spirit in my life. And I've absolutely been at the place that the daily reflection here describes. And you know, I can't speak for everyone, but it's it's a common experience among us who have found ourselves in that place. You know, it's said that the only step that I have to get 100% right is the first step. And I do agree with that. But for me, two and three are a pretty quick follow on yeah. uh, for helping me, you know, create a foundation upon which then I can build the rest of them because you start to get into fourth and fifth step, which I could never do if I had not done the third. You know, and of course, the steps are designed to build one upon the other and work. But those first three for me kind of function as a unit, with number one being absolutely 100% essential. You know, I could stumble around a little bit on two or three, can't stumble, stumble around on one. Yeah. Um, so I'm with you on the the change that happened when I became willing to turn my will in my life over, as we say, you know, I have different ways of saying it now to get out of my own way, to let go and let God, to fire myself as the director of my life, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> you know, to, to look to something greater than myself. And when I say that, what I mean is greater than my thinking mind, right? Right. My, my thinker, is really good at some things, but not good at keeping me sober. I need something that transcends, that is beyond my thinking mind in order to do that. And although the, you know, for us in unity, the particular language in this entry of the daily reflections, not exactly how we talk about it, but whatever, the underlying concepts are exactly the same. And Um, you know, I'm certainly not the thought police. And I think any way that anybody finds their way to a higher power by whatever definition that might be, that works for that person. I'm good, man. That works for me. And that's a foundation of hope and strength that uh, any of us can build on. So yeah, this, this was, 
one, two, and three, and three sort of completed the foundation upon which I built my sober life. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the th- that the thinker couldn't solve the problem, you know, and I mean, so many of us, it's not just alcoholics or addicts, but so many of us, I mean, it's kind of the human condition, right, is that we are grossly over-oriented to our intellectual selves, right? We, we've, um, you know, developed this brain that's, I don't know, in proportion bigger than any other mammal. And, and we think that that has put us at the top of, you know, of everything, but it can be a hindrance. I mean, it certainly has helped us to create technology and, you know, all these things, but does it help us spiritually? I think sometimes our over-reliance on the intellect is um, a barrier to spirituality because you cannot think yourself into a relationship with God and you can't think yourself into sobriety and you can't think yourself into a deeper spiritual experience. Those things have to come from somewhere else. And those of us that are super oriented to the intellect sometimes have an even harder time surrendering that intellect because it's what we have learned that we can rely on. We trust it. That thing has gotten me out of problems, you know, and I want to rely on it. But if we want to have a deeper spiritual experience and we want to really experience the third step, um, we have to learn to surrender that. Now, that doesn't mean that it's gone or that we're not going to use it anymore. For me, it's about putting it in its rightful place, you know, um, which is in service to the spiritual self. You know, the spiritual self and the human self need to be working in tandem together. They need to be balanced, you know, and ideally the spiritual self is, has, um, has precedent, you know, has the, has this, the human self is in service to the spiritual self. But I mean, even, you know, if we can just get to the point where we're a little more balanced um, and not always living from the human self and from the intellect, because like I said, I mean, I can think about God all day long and that may help me begin to conceive of what God might be, but ultimately I have to have an experience of God. You know, I have to have an experience and that's not, that doesn't happen in the, in in the intellect. And when I did the third step, I had an experience of God and I, I can't explain it except that my life changed drastically, literally the day I took the third step because I was so over reliant on the intellect. I was such a thinker, such a head person and um, and had been for years and years. That was my coping mechanism. That was what was going to save my butt was using my intellect. I learned that that's the thing I could rely on. So to begin to release my grip on that part of myself and allow the spiritual part of myself to begin to develop was just so huge for me. And um, ultimately what I found when I took that third step was that this other power, this thing came rushing in to fill the void that I had created by stepping just a little bit out of my intellect. You know, God was like, oh, thank God. Now I can work. (laughs) Now I can work with her, you know, but as long as we're just like, so in our heads, there's no room for God. Yeah. You you got out of your own way. Got out of my own way a little bit. In your your mind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of surrender and acceptance, I, I found extremely powerful. In fact, those two concepts that you know represented by those words surrender 
and acceptance are what I need to repeat. And that is the essence of the third step is to, like I said, let go and let God uh, get out of my own way. And uh, like you, I, without realizing it, had become entirely dependent on my thinking mind. That was my everything. That was my way of being in the world. You know, I wasn't particularly body connected or emotionally connected. Those are things I had to learn and am learning and am practicing. For example, um, Heather and I will go out dancing for, to me, a big part of that is body connection. Yes, it's fun. It's fun to get out in a crowd and just see, you know, what's going on or what have you hear some music I might normally not normally hear, but just the opportunity to be body connected. I go swimming. I just did that today uh, before we got together. Um, A big reason I do that is to be body connected. I have to work on those things. Heart connection, also something I need to work on, but mental stuff. I can do that all day long. I can do that. You wake me up in the middle of the night and I can do algebra, you know, that's not, it's great. And, but it's not alone sufficient. So coming into balance, I guess is what I'm describing. So the, the surrender and acceptance that goes along with the early phases of recovery have been absolutely essential for me and getting myself on a a much more even and balanced footing. And life is so, so much better. So, so, so much better now than it had ever been. I used to hear people say, you know, my worst day sober is better than my best day drunk. And I'm like, yeah, right. And now I'm like, (laughs) no, I say that. I absolutely know what they were talking about when I didn't at first. Now I've got enough 24 hours um, behind me that I totally get that. And I can also affirm that this is the greatest way to live, period, the end. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Not always easy, but overall, absolutely a better path. Um, I like that you brought up, you called it being body connected. I love that. I've been hearing a lot about this lately. I I listen to various podcasts and there's there's a lot of talk about, I think they call it embodiment. And for a long time, I was like, what the heck is embodiment? Like we're all embodied, you know, but I think that's what they're talking about is getting into our bodies. And this is new because for a long time in religion, the body was considered sort of incidental, like The body is very temporary. We're really our spirits. And one day we're going to die and our spirits are going to go on and the body is going to die. Yeah, like it's part of the problem. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, you know, going way back, there was the whole thing of like the body was profane, you know. um, And so now we're really we're really coming into a new period of time where we're beginning to see the sacredness of the body. Thank God for people like Richard Rohr that say like the body is not bad. That whole thing about the body being profane, that was just, that was the root of so many of our problems. The body is sacred. How can it not be sacred? It's as sacred as the body of a redwood tree or the body of a whatever, a butterfly. I mean, it's, it's not just this um, empty vessel that we're living in. The, the body has its own wisdom and its own experience. Yeah, it's like our shame made an enemy out of it. Absolutely. And what we need to do is what the master teacher taught to love our enemy. And our body is a temple. Is that not also in uh, the scripture? Yeah. Meaning the temple, that's where God lives. 
Yeah, this is really um, kind of new, though, I think. And it, it's new for me to think about it in this way, because I did tend to think that the body was just this temporary thing and it's going to die. And I haven't, you know, worked out how all of that is, you know, what, what place does the body have? But, I, but this, there's really something to this embodiment. Um, again, for those of us that spend a lot of time in our heads, um, just getting more into our bodies, so to speak, can open up possibilities for maybe the body is one of the places that our spirituality lies maybe absolutely you know and maybe the brain or the mind or whatever is um is a hindrance you know and so i like you you know i lift weights i hike things like that and i think that one of the reasons i really love doing that is because it gets me out of my head it gets me into my body and we're learning now, of course, that the body does have its own intelligence and it has ex it has the experience. It experiences emotions and, you know, this whole thing about people getting heart transplants and 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 having feelings like feeling different with their new heart and stuff. And we have so much to learn about um, how that all works. You know, for so long, we thought all of the intelligence was in the brain. And Isn't that ironic? Our thinking mind decided that our thinking mind yeah. is the greatest thing ever. Right. Surprise! <laughs> but our bodies can be a portal to experiencing God. Absolutely. hundred percent. I, I agree. You know, and if, and mean, if we're not body connected, uh, it's very limiting. That's my personal experience with it. Mm -hmm, like, like we're mm -hmm. both saying, I, I didn't mention it, but early on, like pre-recovery, my involvement with the Unity Church was very much a mental thing. Yes. I liked the ideas. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I started to learn uh, a mindfulness meditation and that felt pretty good. And that sort of supported my mind's conclusion that, yeah, this is the way and these things are true. But uh, sobriety brought this very strong body connection in, mm -hmm. which I agree with you is essential. And I, I believe I'm no expert in this, but when I hear things like the body has intelligence, I feel like, yeah, I get that on an yeah. intuitive level. Absolutely. Yeah. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Yeah. And I think you mentioned a mindfulness practice, um, a big part of my mindfulness practice and some of the, um, you know, guided meditations that I do is about embodiment. So it involves, you know, beginning to um, bring our awareness into our bodies, you know, and of course our bodies live in the present moment, whereas our minds don't, our minds are all over the place. They're everywhere, but the present, but the body exists in the present. So just by bringing our awareness into our body, feeling our breath, feeling the sensations on our body, feeling how our body is supported by the seat beneath us, um, 
getting into our senses, you know, what can I hear? What can I see? What can I smell? All of that brings us into our bodies and um, into the present moment. So that that is a powerful practice. And I think they're now calling that embodiment. I'm glad you said that because I I agree. And that's something that I had to learn along the way. And that's, you know, we're kind of returning to this theme about, um, you know, finding the spirit. You said present moment. God is here and now only. My mind Mm -hmm. will range into its made up concept of the past and the future and all of that but the spirit is right here and right now and my body is always only right here and right now like you said our bodies are in the moment they have no other choice they don't have this abstract thinking ability that our mind does to take our awareness out of right here and right now so by uh, focusing on our just as simple as noticing what it feels like to breathe that's it not change breath it's not a breathing exercise it's a noticing exercise of a natural um cycle that's always there that's that's why i find that particular focal point powerful now i know that other that doesn't work for everyone that's fine you can find a different focal point um within yourself but yeah i'm i'm all about that you know i want to uh, talk about something that i learned from you that is relevant to this and it's that um it's that prayer that says, thy will, not my will be done. Which and we you say in shared a, around here. Yeah, you shared a, a, a wonderful variation on it that I have carried forward and taught. And it's this, may, may thy will and my will be one. Yep, I had that, a sponsor that taught me that. For us, you know, us meaning unity, people, people, um, who are oriented towards uh, a contemplative practice, who are oriented towards an experience of God more than words about God, that really gets right at it. May may yeah. our wills be aligned. And yeah. so it's my will that needs to come into alignment yes. with God's yes. will. And it's, and it's not um, adversarial. Like the original, as wonderful as yes. it is, not thy will, not mine. Like yes. you're good, I'm bad. Yes. How about let us become, let's get on the same page is what that exactly. says. And how and, awesome is that? I love yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I, I may have to like uh, message that sponsor i still have facebook friends with her and let her know like she probably oh, won't yeah. even remember having it said, i don't know where said that, it to me i should google it i don't know where that came from i heard it from you uh yeah you heard it from me and i heard it from her and who knows but the reason that was so important to me is because i don't know if they do this everywhere but here we say at the end of a meeting thy will not mine be done that's like something we say in sure. the meeting And so what that sets up is, like you said, this adversarial thing where God wants, God wants certain things for me, right? And I want something different. I want to drink. I want to party. I want to have fun. But God wants me to sit home and do my steps and not drink, right? That's not a good kind of dichotomy to set up because what that means is like, that's, that's where we get that whole idea that you know, I can't do what I want anymore. It's not going to be any fun anymore, Right. you know, in sobriety and stuff. And the truth is, and this took me a long time to work out. I don't know that God wants like specific things for us. I'm not sure that God works that way. I think that if God has the capacity to want that, what God wants is our highest good. 
God wants us to be able to express our divinity, express that piece of the divine that we are, which ultimately is the same thing as saying our highest good. So what that means to me that thy will and my will be one means I need to get in alignment with that will of God. If the will of God is for my highest good, I need to start wanting my highest good also. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I need to get in alignment with that which is good for me. Not that which is fun and exciting in the short term, getting wasted or whatever, you know, but that which is good, goodness, good for me overall, long term. And I need to start wanting that for myself. So, yeah, I love that idea of getting in alignment with the will of God. Not that the will of God is the boring, not fun thing, but that the will of God is ultimately the good the, the, be- the very best the very best and you and i be. have both been doing this for a long time and we can attest that what god wants for us is fun and exciting and expanding and, and way better than anything and, i could have thought oh, so much better than that at least has been my with. experience i want to bring in a concept we haven't touched on yet and that's the concept of spiritual guidance this was something mm-hmm. that i learned early in my unity days before even before i got sober this this idea that says i can you know be i can be still in a mindfulness prayer turn my attention within and bring into that a kind of question mm-hmm. you know with mm-hmm. a with an open mind open heart question and discern or at least feel like i discern the a way forward that is for me in this moment good and right Mm -hmm. so that kind of discerning spiritual guidance by noticing what's transpiring within us has been a very powerful part of life for me a powerful Mm -hmm. part of recovery yet it's a very subtle yes it would be easy for my mind to kind of drown it out and it has taken me a lot of practice and even now i don't feel like you know i'm no expert at it i know how to do it but you know it it can take some some doing and i don't always it's not like getting an email from god you know do this no it's not quite that that clear it's a gut instinct thing i i've had to learn what this what the guidance what god's guidance in me feels like Mm -hmm. and now Mm -hmm. i know what it feels Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. so it's almost like if I'm considering some alternatives and I think about number one and then I think about number two and think about okay. notice how I feel as I consider each one. And when yeah. I feel joy, yes, it Augustine that said joy is the sure sign of the presence of the, of the, of God, of the spirit. Mm-hmm. If I feel joy to me, that's my way forward. So that the, I, the, the practice and the idea of spiritual guidance is a very important part of all this yeah. for me. And when I have an active and ongoing relationship with a higher power, that guidance becomes available. What's, what's yes. been your experience around that? Gosh, I mean, this is such a big topic. Um, I think, like you said, you mentioned that it's very personal and we each have to sort of work out our own process. Um So two things. One is that I totally agree with you when we're considering two or three different things. The quote unquote right one that's going to be for our highest good is always going to be the one that feels lighter, that feels more love infused, that feels, like you said, joyful, 
the thing that feels heavy and scary and yucky is probably not going to be the right one, right? But another piece of this that you and I talk about a lot is that let's say we choose the quote unquote wrong one. Does that mean we're screwed and we just failed the test and we're it's all gone to hell in a handbasket? Absolutely not, because no. God is the great GPS that just reroutes <laughs> us back to our highest good. With you know, no, I love no that. attitude, no, no, I love that no nothing. I love that my phone does that to me because I am forever <laughs> like, oops, turned wrong. But it doesn't go, well, you're screwed now. See you later. Find your own way. No, it just reroutes me. You know, it just makes me do a little turn around the block and come back and it gets me right back on track. It doesn't. No, no guilt trip at all. No guilt trip. (laughs) And so there are no wrong choices in life. You know, there are maybe easier or more complicated choices, but we can't we can't do the wrong thing because whatever we do is ultimately going to lead to our growth and expansion. I agree. So, and the other piece of this is like, um, you mentioned developing a relationship with God. And I think that's so important. Like we don't just, okay, we do tend to do this, but it's not a great idea to just wait until the proverbial poop hits the fan for us to decide to rely on God, because then that, that faculty won't be well-developed. That's why we need to practice connecting with God in whatever way works best for us every single day, even for five minutes. I agree. That way, when something happens, that relationship is established. That's how we get to know the higher power. That's how we get to see how the higher power speaks to us, how it works in us. Um, So it's a practice. It's a spiritual discipline so that when things happen, there's already an established relationship there that we can rely on. It's like training so that when things get really difficult, our training kicks in. Yep. Right. And and we're not at, you know, square one. We have something to turn to and rely upon. And I think it's good to not develop the idea that like there's two choices and one, like what's behind door number two? Like that's not my experience. You know what I mean? Yes, sometimes we do have to choose between two things, but there's no surprise right answer that we're going to mess up. I just don't think that's the way it works. And it's not, I think, a very good um, way of looking at it in our heads because that can really mess us up. I agree. Like God has this secret door and we have to figure out which one it is. And if we pick the wrong one, you know, like the boogeyman is behind it or something. No, it's just not the way it works. The purpose of connecting with God and turning decisions and guidance over to God is that it expands us. It helps us to think outside of our rigid neural pathways that want us to go down the same path that we've always gone because that's what's clearest and easiest and has the strongest neural connections. You know, turning things over and praying and expanding helps us to open up so that we can do something different. Not that we have to figure out what the right thing is to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Well, let's shift into our recovery for a nutshell. In fact, it's the spiritual guidance that our question is about. So if someone came to you and you just had a, a, a 30 seconds or whatever to share, uh, you know, what is the spiritual guidance stuff anyway? And how do I get that? What would you share? Well, I think we've just touched on it just now is um, it all begins with the relationship with the higher power. And that's very individual. 
that's very unique to each one of us. And it's, and like any relationship in our life, we have to dedicate time and effort to it. So that's where we begin. We begin in daily prayer and meditation, even if it's five minutes, um, whatever that looks like, saying the third step prayer. Boy, I used that third step prayer a lot in my early years of sobriety. Um, you know, being in nature, being in meditation, whatever it is that works for us, do it all, throw it all in there. You know, that's what I do. I just do a little bit of a lot of different kinds of stuff and develop that relationship with God so that when the, when we have the need of guidance, that relationship is there. Um, and, you know, we can begin by asking each day, what would you have me do this day? Where would yeah. you have me go? I think that's, isn't that in, that's somewhere. I don't know if that's in AA literature or you know, that kind literature. of show me, show me the way forward. Yes. I think is a wonderful. And again, example. it's not that God has an idea that's different from ours. It's just that by, by, by doing that, we're, we're lessening our own ego grip on things so that something else can come through so that it's yeah. not because we don't want to go through life motivated by the ego that's not going to get us where we want to go right so we want to lessen that grip on the ego or lessen the grip that the ego has on us and open up to guidance that can come from somewhere else yeah you know so my first thought was just like yours take some time apart whatever yeah. that needs you know set aside the busyness of your daily life and take some time apart sit in the stillness and notice how that feels notice how you feel there's you're not trying to feel any certain way you're just noticing how you do feel yeah. and there's no right or wrong way to feel we're just taking the time to take a breath to um, be still for a moment and notice and i add to that to be open to possibility you know try to be as much as possible come in with an open mind and an open heart i love the phrase expect a miracle why not expect a miracle? Go in knowing that there is a, a wonderful outcome to this and I'm just showing up for whatever might happen. And then, as always, for me, conclude with some statement of gratitude or thanks. It could be as simple as thank you or thank you, God, or thank you, spirit, or however, you know, whatever that is for you. Yeah. And then I just want to throw in something that you and I like to talk about a lot too, and that is do the next right thing. And yeah. we also like to say, do the next indicated thing, because sometimes you don't get a clear answer and you just have to make a choice and move forward. So you, you do what seems to be the best thing to do next. And then you just see what happens. Right. And if it wasn't the quote unquote right decision, then that great spiritual GPS will just reroute you. And yeah. You can't will, steer a car that's not moving. So sometimes you, learn you just have to grow and take a deep breath. We're all breath. getting where we need to go. <laughs> There's no other place for us to go. We are yeah. all, that's the divine order in, yeah. in life is that we are all heading towards more expansion, more growth, more understanding, heading closer to God. So yeah. can't get off that path. All righty. We have an affirmation for you today. And our affirmation is... I turn my will in my life over to the care of my higher power, and I am free. And once again, I turn my will and my life over to the care of my higher power, and I'm free. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another episode of Spirit of Recovery, and we are grateful that you have. We hope you found something in all of our carrying on that you find genuinely helpful. And we bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. 
Yes, we do. And as always, we invite your questions, comments, wisdom, and feedback anytime. You can find us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, or you can email us at spiritofrecoveryunity at gmail.com. And please help us carry the message by following and subscribing to Spirit of Recovery on your favorite podcast platform. You can also support our ministry through our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritofrecovery. We are so glad that you joined us today, and we do hope that you will join us again. But until then, don't drink like my co-host. And whatever you do, don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of A Guided Life Podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.